I'm Shane O'Keefe and this is Scoreline Extra. Well, it was another busy weekend here at KCLR Scoreline, bringing you four matches with Kilkenny and Carlo hunting for provincial success. Here's what to expect on this week's episode. Three hurling managers on their team's Leinster semi-finals with reaction from Pat Hoban, Morris Aylward and Eddie Scally. John Scott led James Stevens to claim the Leinster title after besting Carlo's Michel. You can hear from the manager himself, Michelle Tien, Emma Minogue and Aoife Cantwell. Kilkenny claimed eight All-Stars on awards night. We can hear from Brian Dowling, Miriam Walsh and Ethan Norris. Greg Waitley from the STRI group spoke about re-turfing Crow Park after the Garth Brook concerts. Brendan Hayes celebrates 50 years of River Rangers who participate in the Kilkenny and District Soccer League, whilst Joe Sheehan gives us a rundown on everything in the Greyhound world. We're going to start though with Pat Hoban, Shamrock's manager. Pat, you got a bit of a fright there at the start, but Shamrocks did what Shamrocks can do in the end. A great second half performance and you're into the final. Yeah, definitely. I got, we got more than a fright. We were out hurt. There's no point in saying we weren't. And uh, were really up for it. They won all the 50-50 balls. And I suppose only for some great goalkeeping, we would have been under real, real pressure. But uh, as you said, when we needed it in the second half, they definitely showed a bit of character and, and, and picked it up. You're happy? Oh, yeah. We're relieved, to be honest. You know what I mean? These days are about winning. Semi-finals are all about winning. And uh, our goal cut up this morning was just to be getting back here next week. So, goal achieved. And the two goals came bang at the right time in quick succession. Two goals in 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was and actually very similar to the Castletown game uh, where we got two goals right after half time. And, you know, to be fair, it's very hard for Nace to come back from that. OK, we're going to look forward to next week, Pat. And no injury worries on us. you got to run out the bench as well in the end. Yeah, we, we have a few lads carrying Knox, which you'll always have when you have games come in quick succession, but please God, everyone will be OK now. We'll need a full team for next week. OK, well, best of luck next Sunday. Thanks very much. Thanks, Pat. Morris, it just wasn't to be, I suppose. St Mullins are much better than what the final result was, but you never got going, and missing the penalty to start didn't help your cause. No, we didn't get going, but I put a lot of the blame on ourselves, really. We didn't get going, but to get the penalty might have made a big difference, would have made a big difference, but then we missed another goal ourselves at the other end, and they grew in confidence then, and they were just there to do what they wanted to do, really. They were slick. I know you're not a man to talk about controversy, but for the penalty, everybody in Croke Park felt they should have been reduced to 14 men. What was your own view? Yeah, well, uh, the penalty definitely was a very high tackle, dangerous tackle, yeah. Um, your talisman, Marty Cavanagh, I know a lot re- relies on him in playing for St Mullins with James Dale, but it seems Crokes had their homework done, they never really gave you any space out there, any ball that you didn't get. Well, they had their homework done, and um, I suppose you have to say, in our case, the big men didn't turn up, or in their case, the big men did turn up, and that was a big difference. And I was just reading uh, away from St Mullins on your own personal level, Morris, you were undefeated in Croke Park coming in today, so a little bit of a disappointment, you had a 100% record but I know some people say you lose more in sport than you'll ever win but that's a, a little notch gone from you and you had a great record here It's not about me yeah. Brendan it's about the team and I'm disappointed for St Mullins team and I'm disappointed for the supporters it's just a great day for the club Powerful but the reason you're disappointed is because you know they're much better than what they showed today They are better than what they showed but like at the same time we're lethargic all over the field Do you know I mean we were just second to every ball we have to question something whether it was our, as a manager's or coaching or what but there's something we were lacking there maybe the Crow Park got to some of the players I don't know but the people that I expected might give the lead were probably a little slowest on the field so didn't happen didn't happen we were second to every ball we, were, we lost every 50-50 ball and that shouldn't happen because we're not a small team we're a big team when the ball gets on the ground we should be able to handle that and we weren't 
generally the Kilmacud man came out with the ball so and I suppose before the penalty was given I think you had four ways and the ideal scoring opportunities realistically you should have had one four on the board that you hadn't got then in the end by yeah. missing those chances as well as the penalty we missed two great chances of points anyway two great chances like and if we had to get that kind of start and all our training was geared to get that kind of start and the way we picked the team was geared to get that start but it just didn't happen Marcy, do you think that if you did have the one-man advantage, if the rest... Maybe 13 against 15 might have been the, the best answer, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know, I can't say, like, we were, as I said earlier, we were second to every ball, and they looked at, at times that they had three and four extra men, so I don't know. The sorry, there seemed to be a few mistakes with just distribution as well, was that something that you, like, especially playing out from the back? Our distribution was poor, and our passing was poor. Like, I mean, don't forget we gave away a goal. That we shouldn't have. That was from a bad pass. That ball could have been cleared. Like, and we're telling them the whole time, get the ball out of the danger zone as quick as possible. And they are inclined to overplay at times with passes that they shouldn't be given. But look, that's something that has to be worked on. Had Hoban said to me after the first game that he felt that the surface of Crow Park, maybe some of the players weren't ready for it with their with their boots and that kind of thing. Is that something you think that might have affected yours? No, we were allowed to walk out the pitch at half-time at the other game and we, we came to the conclusion that it was very dead and that the ball wasn't hopping. And to be careful about that and that when you go out for the ball and get out with your two hands and try to pick it up or whatever the case. But again, as I said earlier, we were second to those balls and we didn't just get the chance to pick them up. Any ones we did get to pick up, we didn't get to pick them up. Like, you know, so it's one of those days that nothing went right and that personally I'm very disappointed at the end of my career. That's one of the things that I didn't want anyway was that defeat. But look, we had a great year up to now. So I know. Yeah, congratulations, Carla County Champions. But back to today, they were very pacey, Morris. I know you have a bit of pace on the team, but they had a lot of pace. They had a lot of pace and the meadows looked very slow. That's a, I must say that. And they were able to come back to half-back line and bring the ball up. Now, I thought we had six very pacey forwards. But they didn't look that way today. And when you see it on paper, you say they were. And that's the way we picked it, hoping that we'd take them on and have them turn back to their goal. But it didn't work. Just the one championship game since the start of August. Obviously, a very tough game against Ferns. But do you feel maybe that you're off the pace a little bit without those kind of competitive games in the lead up to, in the lead up to such a, a huge game against such a good side here? Yes, it, it, it doesn't help because if you you have to come in off a championship, hmm. like all the teams are coming in from Kilkenny and Dublin, they're coming in fairly fresh from the championship. So they're at the top. Thanks, be, yeah. We had sorry, we had to start there and challenge, challenge, challenge. Whatever you say about challenge or whoever you play. And we did play some very good teams, but it's not played at the same intensity as a championship match. The noise and cutting yourself is not. Yeah, we're we, 14 weeks without a match. 14 weeks without, we had matches, uh, Brendan, yeah. but like they were they were challenge matches, and you, like a player going out into a challenge match, he knows that like no matter the intensity is not there, and championship is different. Now we were lucky to get over Ferns enough, but they were in the same position as us because they had gone 13 weeks. Yeah. But this team had been playing championship up to not so long ago, like you know. So so they are at their peak and they'll maintain that peak now and they're probably getting better and better again As because uh, I, I find the club championship is a great championship to bond the team and when you get outside your county you're representing as well as your parish you're, you're representing your county as well and that's what makes the great competition and it brings teams and that they, sorry they are thriving on that now so we are not because maybe Ferns took a lot out, out of us
and not being at championship pace, pace for 14 weeks didn't help but look I'm not making an issue of beaten fair and square today and I'm as disappointed as anybody inside in that dressing room OK well that's fair comment Morris and listen on behalf of me you know the lads will stay with you there thanks for everything in Carlo during the year well done on a great journey with St Mullins happy Christmas to you and the family and thanks and for you everything. stop praising me so you do <laughs> 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 I'm now joined on the line by someone who I classify as an absolute gentleman, as a friend and as a colleague, uh, Mr. Eddie Scally. Eddie, first of all, commiserations today. Yeah, thanks a million, Shane. You know, it just, just wasn't our day, so a great year ends on a kind of sour note, but you look, that's sport, you move on. When you say it wasn't your day, obviously the result would indicate that, but the first half performance in, in, in general was, was quite good. You might have been happy with it, despite picking up a book in yourself. But what did you feel going in at half-time? Um, look, the book in myself, you know, it should never happen. A manager shouldn't be interfering and giving out. But I was, I was complaining about a ball I thought it went over the bar. I look forward to watching it on the video because I know it went over the bar. Uh, and I just asked the linesman that he not see it because he was standing beside me. And that was it. And, you know, you shouldn't do that so you can let yourself down when you complain so we move on but no look I was happy enough in the, in the first half I wouldn't say I was overly happy Shane we were playing with a strong wind and our forwards just weren't getting on the ball like commercials in fairness to them they'd set up very deep and they were hard to break down but they only got two scores in the first half like and both of them were goals and um, a penalty you know which in fairness Keelan our keeper he made a brilliant attempt at saving it just snuck in by him and then second goal was poor defended by us we should have cleared it two or three times before game. so you know at half time we had a couple of choice words with the lads that you know we felt that they just I know it's going to sound mad like, but I actually just talking to my selectors and we just felt that we were, we looked really laboured in the first half even though we were winning by a point and, or a couple of points I think it was but we just looked really really laboured and I just I'm just wondering did the long season start to catch up on our team and, and maybe a pitch of the heavy pitch in a long year you know but look you know you can't look back on that and be too negative about it as well commercials deserve to win today yeah, I, I had said it to Robbie about the two goals that they scored in the first half, and saying, "Are we going to like? Are we going to see a concerted effort from commercials to start trying to take their points?" But obviously, you mentioned it there. The wind must have played a huge factor in that. Oh, did yeah. Look, there was a very, very strong wind. Um, if anything, it died down a little bit in the second half. But we played with a gale force wind in that first half, so kind of commercials were really restricted to shooting, and it wasn't that they weren't shooting for points; they were hitting wide. I think my lads hit seventeen wide. I'd say commercial must have had eight or ten wide as well. You know. And it just wasn't a, a great day for for hurling. It just wasn't a really great day. It wasn't really conducive with good hurling. And in fairness to Kevin and the boys in, in Nolan Park, they had the pitch spot on for the time of year. And so I wouldn't have any thoughts on that. It's just, I think the younger commercial team, they were just a little bit hungrier and they just handled the conditions a bit better. But that wind, it played havoc in the first half, both from my lad shooting from distance and the wide commercial's inability really to get the ball forward. Um, in, in in the second half then yourself knowing how the wind was and albeit you did mention that it died down was there any kind of instance where you were like now we need to go for goals did you get that message across at all because there was a there was a, a big period of there I think nine uh, points were scored in a certain period and commercials got eight of them this is it happened to us a couple of times in the championship this year as well we fell asleep first ten minutes of the second half we were okay and then that second, third, and the second half, you know, it was all commercials. We, we we went to sleep a little bit. There was never any panic, you know. I, you know, I wouldn't panic too much on the line anyway. I might look at it, but I don't really get overly worried. And, you know, there was never more than a point in it. You know, we were winning the whole way through. And even when they got their comeback, they went a point up. And, and, and it was at that stage when we were chasing that score to get a leveler. They kind of got a second and third point, and we were kind of throwing a bit of caution to the wind. Um, but, nah, look, it was it was a fairly even game. Two teams that, that weren't at us. Nah, I... 
I'd never be tempted to just start going for goals because if you start, you know, bullheaded, just drilling balls into the forward end, all like your the back balls all day. I think when you hammer balls down on top of people like that, it's a back ball every day. So we try and play the percentages, maybe 60, 40 balls for our own forwards. But you know, any of them there today would just that knows us and watches this year. It just, it just wasn't our day. We just didn't perform at the levels we've been performing all year. But anyone that was there that day, and like myself listening in, uh, I said it to Robbie, there was a stage, I think, oh, Delang pointed two more frees to see, like, to ultimately seal the three-point win. But, like, you think back to games against the Emeralds, Pilltown, Wine Gap, and Ringtown, of course, and I, I said it to Robbie, I was like, you can't c- count this side out. I was like, you could never know. There could be this late drama where they're getting the goal and it's level and it's going into extra time than it's anyone's game. Were you holding on that belief all the way until the end? Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, we were literally, we were literally, you know, I, I, I'd never, them lads never let us down. We never ever give up. Like, and I know that. And look, we've had a brilliant year, a brilliant journey all year. And the boys didn't let me down today either. You know, they they they, they kept going right till the last minute. And you know, it it just wasn't to be. And it was look, it's it's just one of them days. You know, you'd, you'd love to be champion now after winning again. I've been so lucky this year. We've won three trophies as a group of players. And you know, I'm not going to get. I said this to Robbie earlier in the year, and I said it to you. And um, I don't get too carried away when we win and I most certainly won't get too carried away when we lose and um, I said it to them boys today that the, the one word I do to describe my own feelings right now is just pure, pure pride and um, I couldn't be more proud of the group of players there and my own background team for the efforts they've given me all here it's, it's just been a, it's just been a brilliant year you know and well, one thing that seems to resonate when we speak to your players after the game Captain Paul Murphy there recently and they all hold such reverence for yourself and I, me and Robbie working with you in here we hold that reverence uh, from the perspective of the work that you put in on the sports but to know that you've been on this journey you're going back to intermediate uh, that you've been on this Leinster journey um, do, do you take obviously you take pride in it but like is there's this kind of special bond now forged with these group of players that you're going to take with you um, for the rest of your life? Shane like, and I'm nearly getting emotional now and you know me I'm not that type of person but these lads are my family now, you know, and like I'm so good for them that they didn't get that. But like I said it to them in the dressing room after the game that how proud I am of them and how proud I am of the year that we've all had. Like I, I actually said to them, I said, some poor man is going to end up sitting down beside me in a bar in 40 years' time. Hopefully, I'll be still kicking, and I, he'll have to listen to 25 minutes of me telling him about the day we came back about Pilsen and the day we came back against Greg and the day we came back against Wayne. Like four years of that club, I've never been happier in all of my life with a group of people, and they're like. They're like brothers to me and every one of them. It's just a really tight family and look, today isn't gonna some you know, isn't gonna define my time with Blacks and Whites and it's not gonna define their year, but I absolutely adore them and and you know, a lad say to me, Does it mean a lot to me when I hear people like Paul Murphy and the and the way they talk about me? It does. Like I mean, I, I was emotional the other day when I heard Paul talking on the radio where he described me and set up the team. You know, like all we do with it is this is for the like we do it because we love it. Like that's the reason we do it. But to see that the lads get so much enjoyment out of having us on the line and I suppose there's a bit of animation when you throw Matty Flynn in with me as well it's, <laughs> it's a recipe for chaos because if we're not killing each other we're, we're giving out to somebody anyway so it's, it's it's just it's a mad journey like I mean we're going since December I said to Matty on the way home in the car you know it's it, we're devastated to be gone out a year but like at the other side of it too like we're at 12 months now and everybody needs a bit of a break well, Eddie, speaking of taking a break, I'm going to give you a break now. Thanks so much for taking the call. You're probably on the way out now to Nolan Park, or for to Gorham Park, for the, the big day that you have out there. I'm actually sitting in the car looking at the lads taking in the hurdles and they're wondering, is that like going to do anything today? <laughs> so I'm going to jump out and give them a hand there.
Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it after the break about the big day out in Goran Park. But Eddie, thanks so much. Thanks for the journey uh, that you've had with Blacks and Whites and providing great entertainment here all throughout the season. I wish you nothing but the best, sir. Thanks a million, Cheers, man. Eddie Scally, the man, the myth, the legend. We're going to take a quick outbreak there. John Scott, we come in out of the cold, but you're a happy man. You're now, an all, uh, I won't say an All-Ireland, yes, but you're a Leinster winning manager on the way into the All-Ireland series. Must be happy after defeating Moishel today. We are. We were actually glad to hear the final whistle there. Uh, look, so happy for the girls. And it was just pure grit again that got us over the line today, I thought. Like. Now, I, I do say it all the time, there's, just, there's no end to these girls. It's just to keep on driving on and driving on. Well, he certainly drove on in the first half. I mean, the goal that she got before half-time with Rachel Lahey setting up Michelle Tien for what was an outstanding goal really put you on the right foot going forward. And it was a dog of fight right to the end. Now, conditions were tough underfoot as well, albeit it was a dry day, but the ball was sticking a lot in the ground. There was a lot of rocks. You really had to grind it out in the end. We did have to grind it out. And it kind of played, that Michelle, like, that kind of suited them a little bit, I thought, in the first half, the way we were playing ourselves even, because we were breaking down a lot when we we moved the ball fast we were putting them under pressure but when we got it into the full forward line we kind of slowed it down the girls were going trying to go for goals the whole time whereas I kept on just telling them to put the ball over the bar keep the ball game flowing but look the goal helped us immensely kind of settled us a little bit as well I think we got the next two scores after that as well and it kind of did settle us a bit like and it was great like I thought we actually could have got one or two more goals in the first half as well but look that's the way it is the goal helped us massively we spoke the last day about indiscipline and what was keeping St Bridget's in it at half time as well complete role reversal today I mean you were forced out to most of the balls we'll say every time I mean the backs were immense as your forwards were but particularly the backs today they really pushed Michael to the pin of their collar and didn't get many easy scores No I think every, any score that Michael got between the, obviously the frees but anything that they got from play they really had to work hard to get the free or to get the score uh, yeah I thought our backs again were excellent today um, but we were working and, and as what you were saying there last week uh, about keeping Bridget in it uh, kind of during the training this week we worked on it we kept on hounding at the girls to be out in front be out in front be out in front and not to be giving away a silly freeze the girls have to throw it up at some stage like get the hook or the block in uh, not to be giving away a lazy free as we call them but look yeah, no I thought this was excellent today now the world for a small club like yourselves you know it's great second attempt at the county final win the intermediate it only took you one attempt to win Leinster you're now in an All-Ireland semi-final John I can see the cogwheel turning in the head and I know you only take one game at a time but where is the possibilities of this team going? Yeah look and I keep on saying I even said at the beginning of the year there's no end to them to just keep on driving on and driving on and not just us or as we require as management but to drive one another on like even that's after Saturday last week against St Bridget's we were in the dressing room with them after and we were asking them to know when did they want to go training again and they said Sunday morning the following morning half nine they're all back out in the Kells Road running around playing a game because they get on so well together they have actually they enjoy as Neve Dealey said in the speech they actually look forward coming down from Dublin on Wednesday night to actually train which I tell you is massive <laughs> to get me like you, you don't even have to coax them to just keep there's, there's no end to them there's no end to them and they just they want themselves they want to keep on going but that's just 
just shows that the spirits that's here in that team you know it's great that all of them they're, the camaraderie you know they're all friends you could see what it meant to every one of them as soon as that final whistle went they were all out together and congratulating one another you love to see that in a team oh I love to see it yeah and, like, and as we even said like, I think there's, there's 31 of us on the panel there and like they even go to talk to the girls that are they probably don't get any game in the intermediate as in this team but they always play in the junior but the girls are always dragging them on dragging them on even in training they're always egging them up you know the girls that are starting they're always getting onto the subs to come on improve 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 and that's it's just huge for the club like you know especially to have the likes of Neve Dealey and Michelle and Sophie and even Emma Minogue and all their like senior players like uh, it's just brilliant to have them at training like you said you love the underdog, t- or the underdog tag. You were that today coming in again mightily because they had the experience of being there before. You now go up again, Castle Gower of Galway. Another step up for yourselves, probably the underdog going into the game again, but it's in Bourne, it's in a pitch that you're fairly familiar with with your time as a Kilkenny manager as well. It is, yeah. And look, and even just uh, just after the game there, we were just talking about it in two weeks' time against Castle Gower. Look, uh, we'll do or we haven't, we didn't even look at anything belonging to them now yet, but we will do over the next two weeks uh, but we'll do our homework on them and but I think the next game is in a good hurling pitch in Burr it should be a good surface things like that like so it'll suit hopefully a good hurling team like and, and as I said we'll have our homework done on Castle Gar. I'd say there's probably a few of them down here today having a look as well <laughs> <laughs> you never know the spies everywhere going but John Scott congratulations on a fantastic victory you are the Leinster champions and I'll leave you go enjoy it with the rest of the team thanks very much Martin Aoife Cantwell, congratulations. You have a huge smile on your face and why wouldn't you? You've just been crowned Leinster champions for a club at intermediate level after a brilliant victory against Moishal. The smile tells a thousand pictures, but how do you feel? Absolutely unbelievable. Couldn't feel any happier now. It's just, it's real, really surreal feeling. And um, to be Leinster champions is just absolutely top class with your club as well. There's no kind of prouder moment and um, just to see some of the girls stepping up today, we were missing one or two girls and the younger girls that came in were absolutely unbelievable. So just credit to all the team and the management. It's just, it's been a fantastic year and just can't wait now for the semi-final and brilliant to be at the All-Ireland stages. So we'll just have to keep hoping that we keep going now and make it all the way to the All-Ireland. You're dead right, it has been a fantastic year. I mean, you won your county title after two attempts. You didn't need that many at Leinster. First time, <laughs> first victory. What a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And thank God we did, um, because coming back next year, it would be harder to get that far again. And just the last day, I think our semi-final, our Leinster semi-final was very tough. And credit to the St. Bridges girls, they were brilliant. Um, so I think that really pushed us on. Now today, we were just really wanted to win. And to start well today was our main kind of focus, because we haven't started well in some of the matches, and we've been kind of clawing back all the time so today to start well and to go in on top at half time was brilliant for us and we knew then our work rate would have to be savage in the second half to keep that win Well your work rate certainly was is it fair to say you're in discipline as a backline hadn't been great in the previous two games but in fairness today you were out in front of nearly all the balls you didn't give the Moishal forwards any kind of attempt at goal at all they were really made to work for the attempts that they had 
you must have done some training and good work over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, we did, yeah, we did. And I think, well, Philly would be telling us to play from the front all the time and to back ourselves. So I think we really did that for the first time today. Um, some of the girls now have been doing it all along, but I think, as you said, as a unit, we definitely were much better at it today. Um, so hopefully we bring that now to the, to the All-Ireland semi as well. And you just alluded to that fact you now are in the All-Ireland semi-final in a couple of weeks against Castlegar of Galway. Another big challenge for yourselves, but I mean, there's no one standing in your way at the minute, you know. You'll go into that game and you won't be fearful of Castlegar. Exactly, yeah. And I suppose when you're playing teams from different counties, we don't know too much about them. You can watch their matches all and all the rest, but... Uh, John will do the analysis, don't worry. <laughs> they will, plenty of analysis. And Chuck and Todd still watch games several times. Um, so at least that work is done for us. We don't have to think too much about that. We're told what to do and where to be. So um, I suppose we just need to back ourselves again and believe in our own ability that we can do it. And hopefully things will go our way. If you can't, don't stop smiling. You are a Leinster champion. Go enjoy the rest of the celebrations. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ryan. Emma Minogue, congratulations. You've just been named player of the game in your intermediate final here against Moishal today. And you're now Leinster champions. What a day for yourself. Uh, yeah, Martin, it's unbelievable now. Just we all, it went, everything went well for us today. Don't know about the ref now, but <laughs> we all played well together and we just kept doing the simple things right and we got it in the end. You had a great start, especially going in at half time with that goal lead. Great work by your players and brilliantly dispatched by Michelle Tien as well. But you really fought so hard. Michael, they're a good team, but yeah. you dug it out and you fought right to the very end. And to be Leinster champions in your first outing in Leinster as well, that's not a not a bad record. No, it's not too bad now. We lost the county final last year, so it was our first year up intermediate. But you know what, we said we'd give it a good go this year now and... We just went for it this year. We put our head down. We got new. We got a few new player um, management in Chuck and Tots, and they really pushed us this year. And I think that's what we needed. Just get us over the line this year. I was speaking to Liam after the St Bridget's game as well, and his enthusiasm is infectious. What is he like actually in the dressing room? Oh, he's mad. But he, you know what? Tots is Tots is even worse. He, they, you know what? It's they're just unbelievable men and. We won't be here without them today, I'd say. They're just unbelievable, the training they do, the, the time they put into it and everything, they're just savage. Well, I know everyone says that it is a team game, but individual oh, accolades are, are always great to have. And to be named player of the year, though, as well, or player takes, of the game. It takes everyone on the panel to win Leinster finals, not just one player. Everyone, everyone pulls their weight and everyone puts it in the work all year and it got us over the line today. It did, but we always say, um, we've been talking about you even on the podcast. I mean, you are, and you probably don't realise how good a player you are because you're that modest in the whole lot. But when you actually get the individual accolades in the whole lot, it must be nice. When you have good players around you helping you as well, it always makes your life a bit easier, doesn't it? You're not going to take the praise at all, are you? (laughs) No, not not today now. (laughs) Well, Emma Minogue, congratulations. You are one of the Leinster champions as well. Go enjoy it with the rest of the team. Thanks a million, Martin. Thank you. Michelle Tien, you're absolutely shivering with the cold. But it doesn't matter because you are a Leinster champion at club level with James Stevens. You bet Michael today. How are you feeling? Up the village. <laughs> I know we're buzzing. Um, we knew last week we 
actually we knew from the county final we haven't been performing the way we can and today I'm just so delighted that we did have moves we weren't it wasn't perfect now but we did show our supporters and they came out in hundred well <laughs> close to hundreds yeah um, to support so we're buzzing now that we actually gave them some, gave them a show like and came out with the win yeah a bit of a windfall for yourself disappointment last night at the All-Stars but then to come out put in a performance like that today with your own club win the Leinster final at your first attempt and now you are going forward to an All-Ireland semi-final against the Galway champions overall it wasn't a bad weekend no not a bad weekend I know it's an absolute honour to even be nominated but I will say it's not great preparation for a match the night before <laughs> and I fixtures should just not be like that but anyway I knew they were completely two separate things like one doesn't affect the other so I'm so happy like the Mount girls are happy here now today so I'm absolutely delighted to, to be here with them and go out and try win an All-Ireland semi-final first but we'll see <laughs> You have said it as well, you probably haven't been performing that well all year. You knew that yourself, especially against St. Bridget's. I mean, the goal that you got in the first half really helped you battle away. I mean, Moisture are not a bad team. I mean, they really put it up to you today in tough conditions. But you showed the character of the team that you have. You just fought and fought right to the very end and came away comfortable victors in the end. Yeah, that movement and the passing and using each other, that's what we were kind of kicking ourselves over in the last few games. We just weren't doing it. We were giving away the ball. We weren't using the talent that we had so that goal especially was there was a few girls involved in it which was really 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 good I was just lucky enough to be on the end of it so that's what we want to keep doing well you were unlucky the last day I think you hit the post or Sophie hit the post one year we still don't know which year it was anyway you don't care because you are (laughs) a Leinster champion and I'm going to say one thing go enjoy the rest of the celebrations with the gang we'll enjoy it tonight thanks very much Brian Dowlin, congratulations. You picked up the Manager of the Year Award here at the PWC All-Stars in Crow Park this evening. Delighted with the accolade? Hey, look, it's delighted with it, all right, Martin. Um, look, at the end of the day, money clicking this on behalf of the, the backroom team that I have, you know, um, brilliant backroom team there. And obviously without brilliant players, we won't win, that, we won't win, win these awards. So, look, delighted personally to win it, but obviously it's a, it's a team game at the end of the day and you don't win any of these awards without a brilliant team behind you. You said it earlier on when you were talking to Marie Crow. this is your first All-Stars to actually be at to get the award. The, the 2020 Alison was telling me actually arrived at the pier when you went home. Uh, one evening it's a bit surreal like to think that Covid actually deprived you of that uh, accolade back then as well but it's great to be here in person to be able to pick it up Yeah look it's brilliant it was back in 2020 I remember watching the award ceremony knowing that I'd won the award already because I did a, a pre-interview already but uh, watching with my, my son Fionn sitting on my arms uh, you know and look it's a bit strange you know one even from school and the award is there at the pier but uh, look it's nice to win these awards any time you win them but tonight is just it's extra special because everybody is here and to, to see Aiken girls winning all-stars as well is absolutely fantastic and you know obviously this girl disappointed that didn't win them but look that's just going to be always going to be the way and um, look at the end of the day to win the, the Duffy Cup that's the main goal for us all and everything else is a bonus after that Yeah you mentioned the eight all-stars there three disappointments unfortunately we thought ourselves that maybe Michelle T and or Tiffy would have picked up one in the, the cornerback position but they didn't but still eight is a good tally but then for Miriam to top it all off then and win the player, player of the year which is voted by all the players around the country as well that's something special for her yeah look Michelle, Tiffy Katie Power were the three unlucky to lose out and obviously you know you had a couple of girls there Steffi uh, Neve Daly and 
Michaela just the girls have started the All-Ireland final that, that, that weren't here even tonight but look at the end of the day they all played a huge part in winning this, winning this All-Ireland and look the girls know that they won't be winning these awards without them and um, you know it's just, it's just great that uh, you know that Miriam won the Player of the Year award there so she's after having a, a good week you know she got married last week and Player of the Year and an All-Star this week so it's a tremendous week for, for Miriam To be fair to you it has been a turbulent year all around you've had ups you'd have downs but overall the feeling of emotions of winning an All-Ireland final winning eight All-Stars and picking up the Manager of the Year then not a bad old year to be fair to all Oh look I suppose you said that to me down in the car park in Pilltown when last year's All-Stars was, were on we were playing Waterford in challenge match and I know we were missing a couple of players because they're at the All-Stars but I think Waterford's bet by, Waterford bet is by about 10 or 15 points and you know we were kind of wondering where do we go from here this year you know we're after losing a lot of girls and I suppose Kellyanne and Aoife were gone with injury and you know it's kind of our backs were to the wall but look I, since I've come in here I know what these girls are all about the, you know the harder it gets the, the harder the fight and um, look it was just brilliant to, to see so many of them getting awards tonight you know just think of someone like Laura Murphy um, remember a conversation with her earlier on the year she didn't come on in the, in the game uh, I think it was the Leinster final against Dublin she was very disappointed and uh, just had a chat with her afterwards and just said look you have to prove yourself on the training pitch that's the only way to get back on this team and uh, I remember that training session in St. Kieran's College we all walked away and said like Laura Murphy just gave everything for that transition she just forgot about everything that went on the week before and she was unbelievable in that transition and she started the next day and she never looked back and you know that's that's the kind of message that's out there you know if you get your chance you just have to take it and with Laura it's just a perfect example of what we're all about if you get your chance you take it and you know you, you just have to be willing and look it might take a bit of time some of these girls took four or five years to get on this team and here they are as all-stars tonight and that's unbelievable but you hit the nail on the head there especially with Laura like there's great camaraderie there you have a fantastic team spirit all through the camp what do you put it all down to? I know, it's hard to know like and you know it's, I, I would have said this time last year like we lost in the semi-final to Cork by a point I would have said the team spirit was absolutely unbelievable and when you have that you won't be far away at any time and Look, I suppose this year, the start of the year, was try to build confidence back in these girls because, you know, they'd lost again in the semi-final and probably doubts were there. We'd lost different players. But, like, you know, we, it's the first meeting of the year. We put stats that, you know, I think over 23 games, we'd lost two games in, in two and a half years, league and championship. And, you know, the consistency is there. And both of them games, we lost by a point. So, you know, the consistency is there. And it's just about trying to get the, the small small things and get them right, you know, the hooking, the blocking, the winning the free, all the small things you know and if you go to our train at 7 o'clock you'll see the girls on the pitch at quarter past 6 every night working on different aspects of the game and that took 2 or 3 years to get into the girls but they do that now like they're at training before I'm at training you know I, the, the brilliant example is Katie Nolan probably struggling for four year long in the year so it wasn't going great um, but look we were always going to stick with her I would have met her before training the start of the year and stuff like that so I remember going training one night at 6 o'clock thought, thought it was early Katie Nolan was on the side of the pitch skipping so then I took her for half an hour doing speed work and so like it doesn't just happen overnight that Katie Nolan is an all-star like that's the work that that girl puts in and again that's just an example of what these girls put in all the time Exactly well they certainly do put in an amount of work like yourselves but you can have a bit of a rest period now you have a couple of weeks before you fly off out on your holiday you'll all look forward to that now as well yeah, I think Tommy Shefflin is working on the, the, the training over on the on the on the cruise and stuff like that. So see is there any grass on that on that cruise ship? <laughs> because uh, ah look, no in fairness, the girls deserve that and 
look again I keep saying it's it's not just about Kilkenny it's about all the girls they deserve every bit that they get um, you know and we're just trying to keep promoting this game you know you're doing a great job yourselves and come on kind and Kenny come on, you're doing them. we just need that all over the country to keep driving this on because I can see these girls the effort they put in you know three or four nights a week with us in the gym they're doing the same as the lads are doing and you know the promotion has to keep coming you know there's no point standing still and you know kind of been happy with what we have got 23,000 out in all Ireland Camogie fine that should be double that you know and you know we have to just keep driving that because that's what these girls deserve yeah well well said Brian Dowling congratulations manager of the year for 2022 go enjoy the rest of the break and we'll talk to you in the new year alright thanks Martin Miriam Welsh Congratulations. Uh, fantastic night for yourself here at the PwC All-Star Awards. Your third All-Star, but also picking up the Players Player of the Year Award as well. How are you feeling after it all? Um, thanks very much, Martin. Yeah, I'm over the moon. Um, look, I know it's an individual award, but I wouldn't have accepted this award if it was only for my teammates and the great management team. I suppose the supply of all I was getting in, it made my game easier. And they're just a brilliant group of girls to play with, and I wouldn't be accepting this award if it wasn't for them. Exactly. It's been a fantastic year for yourself, for the team. But you don't do things in halves, do you? You go along, you win an All-Ireland final, you then have a wedding to poor Noel um, <laughs> coming up in the middle of everything as well. It's been a pretty hectic year for yourself. How did you get through it all? Um, yeah, no, look, it was it was very hectic. I suppose I was lucky in the sense with work. I work for Resilience. They were so phenomenal working around me and giving me the time off that I needed to focus on the camogie. But yeah, no, the wedding was brilliant. It was over in a flash of a, a flash of an eye really it was a quick day but it was also an enjoyable day and it was great to have the Kilkenny Camogie girls share my special day with me and that's what sports about I suppose talk about the rest of the year to us as well winning second All-Ireland in three years 2020 2022 a bit special this year having everyone back in Crow Park but being in person here tonight as well with the All-Stars with all your teammates and picking up eight awards on the night as well with all your individual accolades it's been a fantastic year for everyone yeah it's been absolutely brilliant Martin I suppose in 2020 your parents and family members were watching it from at home so this year our All-Ireland was just brilliant to have a full stage stadium back again and to be at an All-Stars Awards I can't really remember the last time I think it was even 2017 the last time I was at an All-Stars Award but no it's brilliant to be mingling with people again and we're just kind of happy to have uh, Covid behind us a small bit anyway so I know we're delighted to be back again and it's great to see the girls from all different counties you know chatting to the Galway ones the Mead ones the Dublin ones that's what it's all about that's what sport's about it's great exactly and sport is also about family as well because you can't do much without family in the background as well and Dick Welch is going around with the biggest <laughs> smile on his face here in Crow Park this evening he's one proud daddy yeah no look he's very very proud and in fairness to him he said to me today look Mariam if you don't get the player of the year award I'll still be proud of you so that was good enough for me and it didn't put any pressure on me but no I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted that hard work paid off I heard you got a Freshford jersey during your wedding as well. Is the rumours of a transfer true? Oh, stop. No, no, it is not, Martin. I, as soon as they gave me a Freshford jersey, Dick was like giving all a Tullerone jersey. He was quick off the mark, but uh, no, I'll stay loyal to Tullerone or the Walsh household will 
we won't be happy but no um, where I'm living in Freshford at the moment and it's a lovely parish but no I'll stick to playing with Tullerone for now The sash will still be worn by you <laughs> next year Oh it'll still be worn hopefully Martin yeah yeah no. Well Miriam Welsh congratulations on a fantastic year all came to a culmination tonight of the Players Player of the Year award and your third All-Star as well well done Thanks very much Martin Ethan Norris, congratulations. You're just after picking up your first PWC All-Star Award for goalkeeper. Must be feeling happy tonight. Uh, look, it's a great um, honour, really. Um, I would have never really expected it, but it's just a nice bonus for to top off the year that we had. Um, it's nice to get um, acknowledged on the individual award uh, based off the team, though. So just winning the All-Ireland is always the main priority, but just getting that extra award is just a nice bonus top off the year. Individual accolades are always I suppose a choice of people, some agree with them, some don't, you certainly did deserve it during the year but your first one is always special, you'll never forget it No look it's a fantastic night and I'm uh, honoured to achieve it but look I wouldn't be there without the team either so um, all the other girls are fully deserving of it and there's probably another 30 or so back in Kilkenny that should equally deserve to be here tonight as well and look it's a team effort at the end of the day and it's nice to get the individual uh, acknowledgement but it's because of them that we're all here tonight Good night for Kilkenny too one of eight you were eight in total nice haul disappointment with a couple a couple of girls in there disappointed as well but that's uh, the all-stars, I suppose. <laughs> people will agree with him, people won't agree with him. But uh, Ace, did you think it was a fair tally? Yeah, look, I know there's going to be people disappointed and people that probably feel like they, sh- they should deserve one as well. But look, that's the way it goes. And uh, I suppose they'll give you more motivation for next year as well. And hopefully we can do the back-to-back. And look, it's great that we have eight. It's a fantastic achievement to top off the year, as I said. And look... We'll drive it on for next year now and get that O'Duffy back in Kilkenny again is the main priority. Well, it was a great year for yourselves, but it'll be topped off very nicely just after Christmas. You have a couple of weeks off and then you're jetting off on your holiday. Looking forward to that? Yeah, look, I actually can't wait. It has been a tough few months fundraising every single weekend. We thought we were on an off-season, but we've probably seen more of the team now than we have during training. Every single weekend we've been doing something, but uh, look, it's fantastic and it's... It's what the team deserves, really. Like it's nice to get that, as I said, that award and and the recognition that we deserve. Like um, to go off on a holiday and really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Well, Ethan Norris, you've just been crowned best goalkeeper in Ireland for 2022. Congratulations. Thanks very much. <laughs> Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. I'm now delighted to be joined by STRI Group's Senior Project Manager, Greg Wetley. STR are behind returfing of Crow Park after the Garth Brook concerts that took place earlier this year. Now, with both Shamrocks and St Mullins taking to the hallowed turf this Sunday live on KCLR in the Leinster Club Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals, Greg will hopefully give us some insight into the quality of the pitch since the work has been done on it. Greg, first of all, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it because we we always love kind of delving in. So many things go into making a match, whether it be fixtures and county boards, but the actual pitch in itself often gets overlooked. So before we delve into that and get into the chat about Crow Park, could you explain to us what STRA actually does? Yeah, so we're kind of we're an international company basically. So we're we kind of do everything from planning, designing pitches, right the way through consulting, 
we do a little bit of construction stuff with Carrick Sport. Um, and then we do another partner in EPG. So the group's actually made up of a load of different bodies. Um, and we kind of cover everything in sport, really, as I say, from the initial kind of consultancy stage or initial feasibility stage, right the way through planning, construction, the whole way to uh, handover and completion, hopefully having people playing on the surfaces. So a one-stop shop, really, I suppose, for doing everything. And and you yourself then, as a, in your role as senior project manager, what does that really entail? Yeah, so I, as I said, I'm obviously based in Ireland, so I'm actually based up in Loudoun, Dundalk, so quite handy for Crow Park for me, but the majority of my work is actually overseas. So we do quite a lot of international work from anything from just general consultancy advisory, uh, agronomic support for stadiums and pitches right through design. So some, some of the design stuff I'll do, whether it's local clubs and councils, uh, right up to stadium designs. Um, and kind of there, everything in between, I suppose, uh, working with different contractors, different kind of stadium operators, concert promoters, um, and everything you can think of really, anything to do with a pitch and usually involved in it in some way or the other. It's great that you said local pitches as well, because recently in Kilkenny and Carlo, we've seen the likes of Collection uh, getting a new 4G pitch. Uh, we know Freebooters down the road are, are kind of reinventing the whole fair green. Even places that just have AstroTurf pitches are, are, are beginning to redesign that. Also, Highview have a new pitch here in Kilkenny as well. It's really been on the forefront over the past few years of local clubs. A big investment involved, but it's great to see that it's happening at such a small local level and hopefully help develop players for the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a big part of what I do. I kind of I say the same thing to everyone I meet. Like, it doesn't matter whether it's a stadium or a local pitch. The, the project is as big and as important to whoever the individuals are involved. So I'm quite lucky in that one way. I can be, as I say, quite local. I might be in Loud or going down in Cork, wherever I am. Local to me is Ireland. And then the following day, I could be anywhere international. Um, so I kind of see the broad spectrum that sport kind of hits and offers to everyone. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, I'm a big sports fan myself, so I kind of get to play in some of these pitches. So it's nice to actually have a bit of an input into the construction of them at the same time. Well, it's nice to play on them as well, because I've played a many a bog as well over the years in the Kilkenny yeah. District League. So just to see the facilities that some clubs are able to come out with, that your company is able to produce as well, it's just a, an amazing thing. Um, dealing then with the bigger kind of stadium thing, looking at Crow Park, like what is it that you had to do with the pitch for Crow Park after the Garth Brook concerts like thousands and thousands of people are there I was there for a Red Hot Chili Peppers gigs I'd say nearly 10 years ago at this stage and just seeing Crow Park in that like being kind of almost completely different same with the Aviva Stadium for another gig that I was at just seeing the, the, the grass not there the greenness not there and knowing that the damage that could be done what did you have to do with the pitch was there a pre consultation and then you had to get stuck into the work yeah, pretty much. In, in Crow Park, it's kind of, it's not become the norm, but I suppose the last two years of COVID, there hasn't been any concerts in there. So this year was great to have obviously Ed Sheeran and Garth Brooks back in there. Um, for us, the consultation process starts as soon as the concert's announced, really. So we work with Stuart Wilson and the ground staff. We work with uh, the stadium guys as well. And we also work with the concert promoters. So we we'll literally start planning as soon as there's even a, a, whis- a whisper of a concert starting in there or kind of planned in there. And the whole process for us is obviously sport is the primary objective of Pro Park. Everyone knows that. Um, And the idea being the pitch needs to be reinstated as quick as possible, ready for play straight after. So there's a significant amount of planning goes into it. 
there's a lot of risk mitigation because obviously if we're, we're covering the pitch for that long and we're going to need to replace it, we need to try and get it rule out or limit the amount of risks that are going to be involved in it. Um, as I said, the biggest thing is the planning from our point of view. We, As I said, once we kind of, we've got our timetable in, we know when the fixtures are going to be, we know when the concerts are going to be, then we start looking, kind of narrowing it down a little bit, getting into the nitty-gritty of we need to make sure the turf that's coming in is the right quality. We need to make sure all the contractors, everyone who's involved is resourced well enough. Um, and just basically, I suppose everyone knows the timeframes that are involved because they're always tight timeframes. As everyone knows in Crow Park, it's it's one of the most highly used stadiums in Europe, um, especially from a pitch point of view. So timeframes and time scales are usually quite tight in there. Now, we're lucky that over the last few years, it's like we've been doing returks in Crow Park for well over a decade at this stage. And um, so we're quite lucky in there that we do have a good system in place and, and good people in there. Um, but that doesn't always mean there's no risk whatsoever. So I suppose a big part of what I'm doing is trying to limit those risks as much as we can. And in itself, you mentioned that it's a very active stadium. Obviously, local clubs in itself would probably be a bit more active with so many different teams going ahead as well. So does that come into your kind of thought process going, right, there's X amount of games going to be there this year, so we need this type of turf or we need to care for it this way as opposed to if you're working on a local basis going, there could be three games on this pitch in in a week, even more. So does that come into your consciousness? Yeah, hundred percent. Like the the number of fixtures that we need to plan for is probably one of the biggest factors that we consider in there. Um, we're kind of lucky in, in Crow Park now. They've obviously got their own turf farm. Um, so in previous years, I suppose they bought a bit five five years ago. I think it was now. Before that, we used to actually import the turf from the UK. So we used to do a lot of testing and stuff on the turf over there. And um, whereas now we have a little bit more control, and the guys in Crow Park have a little bit more control because they grow the turf themselves. Um, it's a little bit unique in that they can do that. I think there's probably only one or two other stadiums in the world that are actually doing that, um, and not to the same extent in the kind of, I suppose, the kind of routine that that Crow Park are doing it now. Um, so yeah, we're always conscious of the number of fixtures in there. As I say, Crow Park's definitely one of the, the highest used stadiums and the highest used pitches in Europe. So we know we know the standards that are expected in there. So. We need to have everything perfect straight after. And does the discipline then fall into it as well? So in terms of Crow Park caters to football and hurling. Now previously, obviously, they cater to soccer and rugby. The Aviva Stadium have two completely different sports. Does that fall into it as well? Do you have to prepare the pitch in a different way for, say, football and hurling or uh, obviously rugby and soccer? Yeah, in general, football and hurling are quite similar. There's not a massive difference in terms of the pitch and what we try to do. Um the guys in there have set it up pretty much, as I said, pretty similar. If it comes to rugby and soccer, then it's it's slightly different. Um, and the thing we always have, or the, the considerations we always have, it's it's almost easier to go from rugby to soccer than it is from soccer to rugby, and um, just because you can kind of you can set you can kind of tidy the pitch up a little bit more in terms of like your grass heights and things like that. It's easier to reduce it, obviously, than try and grow it. So you'll have seen the Aviva the last couple of weeks. They've obviously had rugby internationals and then the the, uh, the FAI Cup final. So just back to back. So you can just see how difficult it is for those guys to try and back up completely different disciplines between soccer and rugby and, and try to get same quality surface. Um, from stadium pitch point of view, the technology now, it's, it's it's coming off a long way. The last 10, 20 years, we have a lot of different systems now installing pitches that um, most club people or most club grounds would never, would never have. And a lot of people don't really... They don't have the need for it. Obviously, there's a massive cost associated with them, but that's what that's the, the kind of offset that you have. That cost gives you more security than when it comes to having these big games. 
When over the years, is saying like the Premier League recently it was highlighted in the documentary Welcome to Wrexham with uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds taking charge of the Welsh football team and having to invest quite heavily in the pitch. However, they didn't get it right the first first time, and they had to reinvest to to get it right. So we've seen certain pitches struggle throughout the years. Why why is that the case? Is it bracing the elements? Is it just not well thought out beforehand, or what would be the case? Uh, it can be a whole host of things. I suppose the, the, the biggest thing that we don't have control over is the weather. Yeah. Um, our climate in Ireland is actually quite good for growing grass. But in saying that, we still get kind of cool, wet winters, which aren't, aren't typically great, great growing conditions. If you throw into that in a stadium environment where you have an awful lot of shade, like if anyone thinks back to our kind of biology for leaving cert or junior cert, you remember grass photosynthesis, it needs light to grow. Um, so if you think in these in these stadiums out, there's so much shade in there, it's actually having the opposite effect on the grass. The grass just can't produce enough energy for itself, especially during the winter. And then the other thing is the actual the, the construction of the pitches themselves. So a lot of the pitches in the past were just soil soil based. They may or may not have any pipe drainage in them. Um, and now we're kind of expecting. Well, we're demanding kind of higher higher levels of use in terms of the amount of games and training sessions have done. But they're also kind of putting more demands on them in terms of how they actually, the appearance of the pitches and the quality that everyone expects. So unless you're you're putting the the investment into the pitches, you're never going to achieve really what what that pitch may need or what you'd like to get out of that pitch. Um, so as I said, there's no one factor that contributes to it. There's kind of usually a whole load of them. But as I said, everyone, the weather is the one that we can't control. Most other things we can control where we can kind of try to work our way around, but the weather is the biggest one. Uh, you mentioned that uh, STRI has been involved with Crow Park over the last decade. In terms of the actual calendar year in GEA, it's been changed. It's been moved uh, to all Ireland's into the summer as opposed to into September. Is that something then that you had to cater for as well, considering that you were talking about the different lights that's needed for uh, the grass? Is that something that you really had to deeply think yeah. about yeah definitely the, the with the condensed calendar we obviously had more fixtures during the summertime this year mm-hmm. or the last couple of years which from our point of view it's a negative in terms of that we have more fixtures so there's less time for recovery but it's actually a positive from the other side because it's in when the season where we get our naturally we're getting better growing conditions so we have better light levels in the stadium so technically we should be getting better recovery and um, so from that point of view it has been a benefit also Having well, normally having less fixtures in the back end of the year, so that winter kind of time is usually a good thing as well, just because the, the pitch isn't recovering as quick as normal. Um, but as ever, as I keep mentioning, Crow Park is one of those places where the pitch is usually always looking quite good, and the people always want to play on it. So it's trying to if we we are often advised to try and limit some of the fixtures in there, but it's not always easy to do. And you're getting back-to-back fixtures as well. Of course, you'll have a minor game on before a senior game. And in Kilkenny, you know, you, you, you once again, you could have a junior and intermediate game on a, on the same day as well. So it's, it really falls. Does SCR then also look into the groundsmen that are looking after? Or is it just kind of advice that you would give them? Or would they be directly employed by yourself? No, so the, the pitch itself is actually looked after by employees directly for Crow Park themselves. So they've got Stuart Wilson in there, who's the head groundsman. He's been there, for, uh, again, over 10 years at this stage. Um, and he's a really, really experienced groundsman. He's, he's, in my opinion, one of the best in the world. Um, and Crow Park are incredibly lucky to have him and his team. 
So he's got a team of guys that work with him as well. Our, our kind of remit is to just assist them in whatever way we can, whether that's doing some pitch performance testing, whether that's pre or post concerts, just to make sure the pitch is performing how we want it to, or general advisory work and just to kind of back them up on stuff that they might need, whether it's a little bit of they have questions on things or whether it's just to kind of give them a little bit of reassurance sometimes. But in general, as I say, Stuart and his team are really, really well prepared and they're, they're doing a really good job in there. Well, that's very heartening to hear considering we have, from a Carlo perspective, St. Mullins and from a Kilkenny perspective, Shamrocks, uh, looking forward to what's going to be a cracker Sunday. Uh, what will the pitch be like this weekend, for instance? Will it be in peak condition now, considering we're in November? It's recently been returfed, or does it take a while for it to be in its best shape? No, to be fair, the pitch's in pretty good condition. It's um, Obviously, we are in the winter months, so it's it's probably not going to be the same as it would be for maybe in All-Ireland, but it's, uh, it's to be fair, the the condition of the pitch and the standard of the pitch in there never really drops that low. Like we might notice it being slightly lower than where it needs to be, but in general, it's really, really up there. Um, and I imagine teams this weekend are going to get to really enjoy it because it's a brilliant surface to play on. All the feedback I've ever had from players playing on it is to just really enjoy it. Um, it's obviously quite a big pitch, so there's plenty of space for everyone on it, but uh, it tends to be a good surface for whether it's football or hurling. Everyone seems to enjoy playing there. I, was so just, I, think have, I think they'll have a good weekend. Yeah, I was just about to mention the size of the pitch in Shamrocks and knowingly having played there so much can use that to their advantage. Um, in Greg, thanks so much. You've been so accommodating with your time. And just in regards to any future projects that are on the horizon, do you have any big uh, things coming up? Yeah, I suppose the, 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 big, the big one, obviously, at the minute is the World Cup. So we would have had some of the original involvement with that in terms of the pitch designs for a lot of the stadiums wow. and training grounds out there. Um, so we did, we have a joint venture with Aspire, uh, Aspire Zone, which is a company that's based out there for the last 10 years. And uh, so we work quite closely with those guys trying to get that over the line. That's obviously the big one at the minute. But yeah, there's always a lot of stuff. You know, we work, we work with Wimbledon every year for the tennis. We work, we do a lot of work with UEFA. Um, so there's kind of always stuff going on in the background. As I tend to say to people, any sporting event that you see going on, whether it's on grass, horse racing, whatever it is, we, we've probably had some involvement in it. Um, so for me, yeah, as I said, every project's a big project for me. Obviously, some of them are slightly more high profile, but there's always stuff going on. So when, really good. when you're watching a game, though, do you get to enjoy the game or are you looking at the pitch a bit more intently? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, to be honest, at this stage, I look at the pitch more than the sport now. Which, as a sport mad person, it kills me, but it's the first thing I always look at regardless. It's, uh, it's yeah, I don't know, it's one of the downsides of the job, I suppose, but there has to be one. Well, no doubt we're going to hear great things about Crow Park this Sunday and hopefully from a Kilkenny Carlow perspective we'll hear great things about the results as well. Greg, thanks very much for being so accommodating with your time. No problem at all. Thanks very much, guys. That was Greg Whitley, Senior Project Manager of STRA Group, chatting about the returfing of Crow Park ahead of this weekend's Leicester Club Senior Championship semi-final. Shamrocks taking on Nace at quarter past one. Of course, Nace managed by Carlo manager Tom Mullally at GAA HQ before St Mullins face Kilmacook Crooks at quarter past three. Both of those games live on KCLR tomorrow. And before then, there's lots more still to come on today's edition of Scoreline. Rangers, Brendan, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing? Thanks. Brendan, I, I wasn't aware of it. 50 years in existence. Yeah. Uh, I probably wasn't aware of it because with Castle Warren, we were toiling it down in Division 3 for a long time. We only met in the past couple of years, but just tremendous to see. 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. We got together in 
71 to form a kind of a cross-border team at the time between kind of the Commons, Bellingary and Kilmena, Ballycannon, Killaloo and got a team together there on the Munster River which is the border on the Tipperary and that's where the name originated, the River Rangers and ever since then we moved out to the Parkeen which you've been lucky enough to grace yourself I think <laughs> and um, in more recent times. To varying times. results. Yeah. <laughs> Good times but um, yeah in the last five years then in Clonard but we've been ever present for 50 years there always enter the team every single year always finish the season and that's something that we're really proud about there that we never fail to compete every single year for 50 years and you should be proud of it you mentioned the parking we were talking about the hill on that as well you knew how to use that to your advantage but stuff like that are stumbling blocks when you're looking to get a pitch my own side Castle Warren struggling to get a pitch over the last few years and we're currently delighted to be playing in the watershed but with that becomes negatives that you can't apply for grants and things like that exactly, but recently yeah. you mentioned Clonard what a beautiful pitch you have out there yeah. and a really nice setup. Yeah really happy with the setup there now and and like you say I suppose in, in a in a hurling stronghold like Kilkenny soccer is often uh, pushed to the side and it is hard to get a pitch and get facilities let's say and people kind of assume you'll get looked after and that like you know but when we were moving that time, we found it very difficult and we were very blessed to get where we are now, thanks to the armatures there came on board and gave us a nice lease there. And like that, now we can apply for grants and we, we have secured one in the last year, our first major grant that we've ever got to do a little bit of work around the place. And it, it's really exciting times out there now for us. Like, you and know. you can see as well, because you're, you're, like, you're getting stuff like the grants, you're getting the new pitch, it creates goodwill out in the community. And now we noticed that there earlier on, we were chatting about it on air, you have two teams entered in the junior division. Yeah. And you have a, a lot of underage teams now as well. Yeah, A and a B team. And probably the, the most proudest thing of the last few years was that we've seen now we have teams competing from under 13 right up to under 19. Brilliant. And um, we actually have an under 19 team this year which will have played all the way from under 13 up as a River Rangers team, let's say, you know. And they're coming through now as being players that we nurture through and are ready to progress onto our junior team and they're already pushing us out lads to the <laughs> sidelines so it's great to see it's great to see them there yeah they might be bypassing the B team going straight to the A they have done they have done and shoved <laughs> us down yeah they've been great um you mentioned kind of being out in the country and, and and things like that and what I noticed when I joined Castle Warren for having played with the likes of say freebooters at, at an underage level is that you are 100% out in those country uh, clubs competing against the likes of the GAA yeah. um, in your initial years you had trouble with that but I, I was reading that the removal of GAA's rule 27 meaning anyone associated with an imported game would be suspended yeah. from the GAA that seemed to really help and help you thrive yeah and I said helped a lot of clubs like and, and uh, funny enough it, we had to get very artistic with a local newsletter back in the <laughs> 80s and 90s where players that may not have been supposed to play and went down as another player let's say but thankfully all that's kind of behind now and you still have lads that can't commit to soccer in that way but generally we all get on great together and like we can see uh, Greg Bally Callan wishing us the best of luck there this evening and it, it is everyone realises it's all for the better of the community to have another sport to have youngsters involved in is, is all the better for them like you know it certainly is and we mentioned Clonard then uh, the new pitch two pitches I should say floodlit on, on one stage as well you mentioned the lease what does the, the, does that um, grant that you were given from getting the lease what will that go towards now yeah well I suppose in, in two pitches we have a full pitch and a training pitch let's say but it, it will enable us now to make the training pitch into a into a full size pitch 
probably more for underage lads to use but that it would be floodlit as well to a training standard let's say but that um, we can now have kids playing there like it's it gets kind of congested there on a Saturday with the one pitch and it's getting worn like you know so if we want to progress more underage which we do we need the second pitch like and that'll just help us because there's interest out there with, with young girls teams and all that that we just couldn't facilitate because we just didn't have the resources there and hopefully this will see that progress now and we get bigger and better with it hopefully. especially with the Nuclear Kenny's Ladies League as well that's coming in there's 12 teams competing in that as well so yeah. it'll be great to get to see more more divisions even as well uh, speaking of divisions you're competing in Division 2 and in Division 3 mm-hmm. holding yourself up to a very high standard as well in regards to matches I know any time we came up against you it's never been easy regardless of where we play out in Clonard or Parking or in the watershed as well so you must be incredibly proud of, of where the club has come from if you look back on where it started yeah, yeah, it is, and what you touched on there is something we always pride ourselves in. Uh, we I, we feel we never give anyone uh, an easy game anyway when they come. Well, can out I can attest to, to that. Yeah, and, um, we we've played some cracker games out there against some great teams over the years, and we'll be rem- reminiscing about a lot of them tonight. Like you know, and it'll it'll be amazing. Like you know, and, and testament this year we're we're club of the year this year going in, and we've got to a Marshall semi final this year. So like you said, like. It's been a, a slow burn, maybe, but we're we're getting there and we're competing at a decent level now. I feel yeah. You mentioned the the fifty year celebrations, uh, which is tonight in Kittler's Inn as well. Yeah. You're welcoming players past and present, and hopefully Absolutely. of the future as well. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a real kind of a cracker of an event. Yeah, hopefully, like we we kept it fairly simple, and uh, it, the the key for us was that we wanted as many people as possible to come. That it wasn't going to be a big daunting event. That it's a nice social event. That hopefully, and it feels like we are going to have people from all generations, from the teams in the seventies, eighties, nineties, right up and we're going to have a nice collection of old and new players in there that we can yeah, have a nice social evening and enjoy 50 years. Like, yeah. And when you were talking about uh, the new pitch in Clonard, you said the, the the pitch came about from uh, conversations that were had in the pub. So happens, yeah. You, yeah. May, you never know what kind of conversations could be had oh, tonight. and where It could go big tonight. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what the next know. 50 years hold. Yeah, but the, the main thing now is just working on the, the, the second pitch and putting that grant money to good use as well. And then yeah. obviously performing in the leagues as well. Yep, that's it. And the main, as I said, going forward is is having more resources that we can have more teams because there's an appetite out in our place there for under eleven teams and younger. We just couldn't facilitate it, and I'd be we'd be more than happy that if we get that going, that we can have a plethora of teams out there in Clonard, like you know, and that's the vision, and that's what we hope to get to, and we'll be we'll be all the stronger for it. We feel all the stronger for it for having these, as I see these young lads coming through as it is, like, and hopefully it'll get even better. And we'd love to see the ladies side of it taken off again. We did have a ladies team as part of our 50 years as well. They played in in the parking and had some success. And I think one of your own, Sinead Burke, was involved with them. At the oh time, yeah, and a lethal striker she was. And um, I think she's in the Hall of Fame. Maybe. It could be, yeah, she could be inducted tonight, maybe, I think, yeah, but, um, do you know, that'd be brilliant to see that coming along as well, like, you know, to see the ladies' side, but as you said, it's getting going, and it's great to see the ladies going to the World Cup, all that buzz is great, and hopefully we can we can get in behind it as well. We've seen Thomas Towns, Ellen Malloy being in the Women National League's player, our team of the season as well, but with that, with the extra clubs, with the the A and B team, hopefully a ladies' team, as you mentioned, the underage setup comes 
the volunteers. So are yeah. you seeing the likes of the lads that are playing with the A team, playing with the B team, willing to give in their time down at the underage? Yeah, look, sure, it's always a kind of a struggle. You know, volunteering is not easy. And, and in a hurling stronghold like Kilkenny, people give so much time to the hurling side of it. When it comes to winter, they're looking for a break. So look, it, it is a struggle. And you're asking similar lads like, you know, but... We're hoping uh, there's a lot of lads my kind of vintage which are as I said being pushed out towards the sideline and like there's a lot of us there that are embedded in the club a good few years now and we'd be hopeful that we'd have enough lads to, to take on that like you know Yeah well we wish you nothing but the best well, maybe not next week when we're on Castle Warren meets you <laughs> I think it's in the watershed but we're looking forward to it always a tough contest but hopefully you take some well deserved respite this weekend and enjoy yourselves because as I said just a tremendous team always a team that fights till the absolute end you can see the history throughout the team as well between youth and seasoned veterans the likes of Paddy Dalton and so forth as well coming through the team so always brilliant games against you and I really hope you enjoy tonight you're a testament to the league and to the Kilkenny and District League in general and I'm sure the likes of our chairman uh, Rob Higton would say the same things as well when they see the type of work that you're done in and for my own perspective as a Castle Warren uh, man I'd love to be able to kind of follow your trajectory in terms of what you're able to do with the pitch and wish you continued success Thanks Thank you very much Brendan Hayes who's celebrating 50 years with River Rangers tonight in Kittler's Well, it's all happening in the Greyhound racing world this weekend. Cracking action across the country indeed. And fantastic action last night in our local Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium with the Burgess Kennels Novice Final. A cracking competition over the last number of weeks. Of course, kindly sponsored by the Burgess Kennels. And victory went to Blackstone Bobby, winning a ver- in a very impressive time of 28.76 for owner. Patrick Sinnott and trainer Michael O'Donovan a fantastic trainer he is he has enjoyed much success in the Greyhound racing world back in second was Deadly Kyogo in a time of 29 seconds three and a half length second for Gary Hennon and Cara Remsbottom and back in third was Deadly Getaway in a time of 29.32 after a slow start also owned and trained by Gary Hennon and Carol Ramsbottom respectfully it's been a fantastic competition over the last number of weeks the Burgess Kennels novice competition and of course Kilkenny track keeps producing fantastic pop after fantastic pop the top class year in year out and never fails wonderful to see coming from our local track we also had some cracking performances last night from the likes of Delirium Tremens winning a 28.81 for the back to Mackey Syndicate and trainer Mert Lahey taking our last race at a price of a 5-4 well backed last night in the race before him Ascot Ralph came in in a time of 29.06 for joint owners Billy Murphy and Frances Mullen a very nice performance indeed showing fantastic early pace and early pace is so vital in the Greyhound Racing Game. Sing Along Paddy took the novice race last night in a time of 29.11 for joint owners James Quinlan and Mr Anderson as well. Fantastic performance by Sing Along Paddy. Two to five favourite. Very well punted last night and punters were duly rewarded with a fantastic performance. Wing by nine lengths which is an emphatic victory indeed. So well done to all involved in Kilkenny track last night. And well done to Blackstone Bobby, the winner of the Burgess Kennels Novice Unraced Final 2876 o'clock. A very, very exciting prospect indeed. Perhaps the Juvenile Classic in Tralee or even the Conan Annie Kirby Memorial 
with 80,000 euro to the winner next starting next March in Limerick perhaps they will be on the horizon for Blackstone Bobby fantastic performance indeed last night we had a tremendous local victory in Galway in the GRI Galway Oaks final with Raham Ofo what a phenomenal bitch she's been. She smashed the track record twice over the course of this competition. Owned by Marissa Merlion, trained locally by Mert Lai. She won the GRI Galway Oaks last night in a time of 28.52. Phenomenal performance, winning her last three on the trot. She first broke the track record three weeks ago, 28.17. The following week, she smashed another length off that, winning in 28.10, which is unheard of around the Galway track. And she's been a phenomenal servant for the Malloy family and Mert Lahey and his fantastic team. The Lahey Kennel is on absolute fire at the moment. Wonderful to see local greyhounds competing so well across the country and indeed in the United Kingdom where they've enjoyed much success in recent times. So well done to Rahamofo and the Malloy family and Mert Lahey and his team. What a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement to break the track record twice in two successive weeks is unheard of in the Greyhound Racing game and well done to all involved there. Tonight in Shelburne Park we have the IGOBF National Puppy Semi-Finals a total prize fund of €20,000 here €12,500 to the winner in the first semi-final our local trainer Paul Hennessy is involved here with Boyle Sports Vic owned of course by John Boyle the Boyle Sports owner having come second last week in a time of 28.32 runs from trap four in the black jacket of the first semi-final of the IGOBF National Puppy Competition he is a very fast greyhound indeed and we are hoping for a big run from him so best of luck to Paul Hennessy and his team in the second semi-final very very tight encounter here up to style for the Dobbs family and trained by Robert Gleeson in the stripes of trap 6 won around Newbridge in 28-17 and 28-23 in two weeks successive weeks phenomenal phenomenal bitch she is up to style runs from trap 6 and will go off a warm favourite perhaps to take the second semi-final although the likes of Undisputed who won in 28-05 last Last week, in a phenomenal victory, 2.08 of a split, phenomenal early pace, will be a very tight encounter indeed, but up to style is a very, very nice prospect indeed for the Dobbs family and trained by a Robert Gleeson. In Limerick tonight, we have the matchbook betting exchange, Irish St. Ledger, €30,000 to the winner of this one. It's fantastic prize money and plenty of local interest in this one. In the first quarter final, Beach Avenue, the old servant, runs for Paul Hennessy. What a fantastic greyhound Beach Avenue has been. 84 starts, 18 wins, has competed at the top level for so, so long. And we're looking forward to Beach Avenue who is a fantastic finisher from the third bin home, competing in the first quarterfinal of the Matchbook Betting Exchange Irish St. Ledger quarterfinals tonight in Limerick. Fantastic competition this year. Wonderful to see Matchbook back as sponsors again. And this year in the second quarterfinal, Moon Coin trainer Peter Cronin is in action here with Trinity Junior, who finished second last week to Iron Lampy back, has good early pace and is drawn to put in a fine performance tonight so best of luck to Trinity Junior and the Cronin family of Mooncoin. Paul Hennessy has I'll not be back in the third quarter final won last week in 29.51 is a track record holder around Cork having won in 27.81 which is also unheard of I'll not be back has a massive chance for Paul Hennessy and his team running from the red jacket of Trap 1 in the third quarter final in the matchbook betting exchange Irish St. Ledger quarter finals tonight and Peter Cronin from Mooncoin is in action in the last quarter final with All About Any having come third last week 
is a strong finisher and should be there at the business end of things tonight. Is a fantastic heat with the likes of English Derby winner Romeo Magico and Ballymore Border for Owen McKenna. Of course, McKenna, no stranger to success in this competition, but all about any is a very exciting ground indeed. And best of luck to Peter Cronin and his team. There are plenty of local grounds in action tonight in Limerick for the matchbook betting exchange Irish St. Ledger quarterfinals and indeed in Shelburne Park tonight for the IGOBF National Puppy Competition local grounds absolutely flying at the moment and well done again to Ra Mafo and Mark Lahey and his team winning the GRI Galway Oaks last night very exciting times for local grounds And that was Scoreline Extra. You can join us every weekend live from 2 to 6. It's going to be a big weekend next weekend, of course. We'll have the Leinster final of Shamrocks versus Kilmacud Crooks. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and remember, your sound out.